Welcome to Watching Trees Grow, a podcast by Troutwood. I'm Gene Natale, co-founder and CEO of Troutwood. In today's episode, we're going to use the power of hindsight uh, to share uh, experiences with a credit card. If you've been following along the journey, two of our colleagues, Maggie and Aru, shared their experiences from opening and attempting to open their first credit card uh, as the entire Troutwood team was following along that journey. Another of our colleagues said, Hey, Gene, would it be all right if I, I share my story? It's a little bit different than what Aruj and, and Maggie uh, experienced. Kristen Malone, our brand and marketing officer, is going to share mistakes that she made with a credit card. So I, I commend that courage, uh, and I'm looking forward to hearing it myself. This will be, be my first time. But I want to make a, a fairly bold statement to our community in advance of this, this episode. If you have questions, you aren't alone. Uh, I've personally given talks to a lot of audiences and um, regularly have audience members wait in line after those talks to ask questions because they were nervous to ask it, thinking they were the only one with that question. Hear me when I say you are not alone. And I think Kristen's story today will uh, help to uh, build on that, that point. Kristen, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh my goodness! Thank you for uh, the courage to share your story. I'm I'm looking to to hear it. Um, how many years of credit card experience do you have? Uh, Seventeen. And has it all been positive? No. <laughs> <laughs> did, did it start positive? Um, no. <laughs> well, I cannot wait to uh, let's not, let's go right to where we went with Maggie and Rouge. Back in time, tell us about opening your first credit card. So I actually got my first credit card by applying for one on on my college campus, which I know is not even really a thing anymore. Credit card companies aren't even allowed to do that now. But um, in the early 2000s, credit card companies and banks would basically just stand in the quad uh, and you would apply right on the spot on your way to class, uh, which in hindsight... Um, probably shouldn't have been giving out my social security number to just some, you know, rando with a clipboard on campus. But in 2005, I was 20, 20 years old, got my first credit card uh, with no cosigner. And um, I think the limit on that card was around 5,000. It was high. Uh, I, I would love to be inside Arusha's head right now as he hears how easy that was for you <laughs> with the experiences that he has shared. Uh, Chris, and I'll date myself. It was the same. I, I got my first credit card because there was a sign. If you, you got a Pittsburgh Pirates hat, if you open a credit card on, on the campus, uh, it's nice that that's changed. W what happened? So you, and let me ask, did you get like a free beach tower t-shirt or anything when you open your credit card? Yeah, so I picked this particular card because it actually had my school mascot on it, and I thought it was really cool. So I applied for that. I also, um, I think I got a tote bag, and um, I distinctly remember iTunes gift cards being like the big giveaway that was really big in 2005. Uh, so I was definitely more drawn to the rewards and the prestige of just having a credit card versus what it actually meant to own a credit card. Obviously, in hindsight, that sounds really terrible. <laughs> mm -hmm. Chris, and this, that is extremely interesting because when Maggie and Rouge were going through their process of what to look for, they weren't looking for a Pittsburgh Pirates hat or a mm -hmm. college campus logo. Uh, so I think hopefully they're a sign of how much more sophisticated that, that search has become. What happened after you got approved? Well, um, the, uh, the, the first 
big mistake that I'm sure a lot of our listeners will sympathize with was that I, I did get it without really understanding what I was in for. So, um, you know, just it's, it's kind of just this ambiguous thing, you know, and not knowing that what you put on it, you have to make a payment every month. You have like, no matter what, if you're carrying a balance, you have to make a payment. So uh, this is a little bit embarrassing, but I actually ended up charging an entire spring break trip on my credit card. And my parents were not happy about that. I think my dad even had to step in once to make a payment for me just so I wouldn't, you know, he, my parents knew uh, it was my first card. They did not want me to get started off on the wrong foot. And um, I mean, lucky for me, I did have parents that were very conscientious of money. And, um, you know, my parents actually used that as an opportunity to help me understand why maxing out a credit card is the absolute worst thing you can do. And that is not how you build good credit. So um, <laughs> for my punishment, I actually spent that entire summer afterwards. I worked two jobs. I'm pretty sure I was working like 60 or 70 hours a week. <laughs> and I had to pay off that entire card. So, <laughs> Well, a 60 or 70 hour work week, work week at that age beats carrying that debt for longer. Yes. Too. Yeah. Kristen, I'm curious, the, the friends that you went on spring break with, I, I'm speculating and also experienced similar stories they probably all thought the same thing, right? This is great. We can get a credit card to go on spring break. Yeah. And, you know, as I was saying that, I, I was thinking in particularly of one friend that I did go on spring break with, and I actually don't know what this person's financial situation was. But, you know, as I, I mean, I'm, I'm 37 now, um, and I do have friends I go on trips with now. And I, I feel like I would ask my friends, hey, like, can you afford to go on this trip before we book it instead of just oh my God, yeah, I have a credit card, let's go. It's definitely a much different experience now. I, I hope our younger audience members hear that. You know, can I afford it? Ask that question before doing it because I speculate that no matter how great spring break it was, <laughs> those 60, 70 hour work weeks probably had some thoughts going through your head. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. And it was, it, one of my jobs was actually at a car wash and I'm, I, just retelling this story, I'm thinking about those like hundred degree days where I am standing on asphalt and I'm like taking money from people, and you know when I possibly could have like been at the pool, but <laughs> here I am making nine dollars an hour, whatever you know, which was a lot in 2005. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, that was that was not how I wanted to spend that summer. <laughs> but you, it, it's an anchor. If you let that credit card mm -hmm. continue to build, it it's an anchor. So. Yeah. Was that expected? It sounds like you learned from that experience, but I don't want to make that assumption. Were you credit card debt free after that? Uh, for a little bit, I was. Um, so I actually I, I got out of school with very little student debt, um, which was awesome. Uh, you know, I did feel like I kind of had a little bit of a leg up. I was able to, you know, get a car when I got my first job and all that kind of stuff. But um, I did not learn my lesson. Um, later on in my adult life, I, uh, I had just moved out on my own. I used a credit card to buy a TV and um, ended up missing a couple of payments on that. And it actually took me a couple years to rebuild my credit from that point. And mind you, I had already had a, a um, auto loan underneath my belt at that point. So Auto loans are uh, boost your credit a lot, especially if you're making on-time payments and you pay it off. Um, and then I made this one stupid mistake, and um, yeah, took me a couple years to recover from that. So, 
So I know Rouge is listening in the background right now. I'm going to give a homework assignment because you used your credit card um, and then you, you got an auto loan. Mm-hmm. And when we've had this journey with Maggie and Arouge, they're talking about the importance of building their credit score to be able to do yep. things like that. So I think we do a little bit more of investigative reporting of how I get an auto loan without a credit score. Uh, my yeah. mind's thinking probably co-signer, but I'm really curious to put this whole puzzle together. Yeah. So so what happened after that experience? How, how long did that credit card debt kind of live with you? Um, so I actually ended up um, going into default on that card um, because I, I knew that it was a negative on your credit score, but I think I was still just young and dumb and I don't know, maybe a little, probably very arrogant. And I thought, well, just that'll just work itself out at some point. It'll eventually drop off, uh, which it does. But you are you're locked to that. Every time um, someone pulls your credit after that, they see a delinquency on your credit score. And that is an immediate no. It doesn't matter what else you did beyond that. But um, it did take me a couple years to clear that. And I actually had to push off even applying for a mortgage beyond uh, just to build my credit. Uh, there's a lot in that statement you just you just made uh, from having to delay buying a mortgage. Uh, but you said mm-hmm. two big words I'd like to focus. Default and delinquency. When, when you mm-hmm. said that, you said very casually, oh, I defaulted on that. What, what did that mean? What does did the credit card company to say, oh, Chris, I'm so sorry, you can't use it again? Or what was that experience? Yeah. So when you when you default, um, it basically it means that they they take that that credit card from you and they sell off that debt. So they've they've basically determined at that point that they're not going to get that money from you. Um, so they sell it off to a to a credit. I'm sorry. A, um, I'm sorry. I can't think of the word. Um, debt collector. They sell it off to a debt collector. Well, and 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 I I want to just so it is okay to use a credit card for big purchases, but we have to put mm-hmm. a big if from from this experience that we just learned. If mm-hmm. you can afford to pay it back, and as yeah. Arusha and Maggie were shopping for credit cards, they both were looking for cards with awards or points that would help give them like a little bit of a, a boost if they paid it back in full. So the mm-hmm. the point of this isn't like don't don't be nervous to use a credit card for big expenditures but to Kristen's earlier statement that I have now bold-faced in my notes can you afford it if you could have paid the credit card back you would not have defaulted right and you have to account for things like at that time I you know had lost my job so I was in the process of finding a new job and it's at that point are you do you really want to use your savings to pay off a credit card when you need that mm-hmm. for food and gas and groceries. So just looking ahead and thinking in terms of, well, yeah, of course I can afford, of course I can afford that amount every month. Well, what happens if your financial situation changes? And that's, that's what happened to me. So it wasn't by choice. I just said, Oh, you know, forget it. I'm just going to stop paying it. It really came down to, well, I have to decide what I'm going to yeah. use my savings on. Well, and, and Chris, you know, for maybe students hearing this conversation in a personal finance class or because a mom or dad said, hey, listen, or maybe the student just taking owner, a young, you know, Gen Z working professional taking ownership of their financial future. Mm-hmm. They're probably saying, well, why didn't she know? And I think it's worth pointing out. I don't know about you. I never had a personal finance class. I never even had the option of a personal finance class. And I was Same. an econ major in college and a finance major in grad school. <laughs> <laughs> so you had to learn unfortunately by doing and while mistakes are preventable a trial and error is a tough way to learn mm-hmm. 
So what happens when you default? Uh, was it a clean reset? You mentioned after that you mm -hmm. said default, and then you said I had to delay getting a mortgage for a home. Why? Walk us through how you learned that. So um, if, if you default on something and it goes to a collections agency, you're going to get a ton of phone calls because they want their money. They bought that debt at a low at a lower amount from this credit card company. And now they are trying to recoup some of that money back. So they're just going to keep calling you, keep trying to get in touch with you. And eventually they stop. Um, it's, it's at least mm -hmm. here. It's a long time to endure that. But um, if you completely just, you know, blow through it and don't pay uh, a negative goes on your, on your uh, credit score. Um, so anytime some, you try to do, you try to apply for something that shows up and after a few years, you can petition the credit agencies to have that removed. Um, mm -hmm. so that's basically what I ended up doing is just waiting it out. Um, you have the option when you go into default, you can either pay a settled amount. So let's say you owe a thousand dollars and you call and a company calls you and they say, you owe a thousand dollars. Can you pay us? And you say, no, I only have $200. They'll take that um, as a, um, you could come up, come up with an agreement with them and they'll take that amount and you have on your credit score kind of a yellow mark instead of like a red mark. It just means like, Hey, this person had a mistake, but they, they did their best to rectify it as opposed to this person just never paid that amount. Mm -hmm. um, in which case, either of those later down the road, you can petition to have removed from your credit score, but it's a really tough process. Uh, you have to submit some paperwork and you have to follow up and it takes about 30 days and then you have to go back and have it removed from each individual uh, report, credit reporting agency. So it's, it's a lot of work to go through that. And it can take years to recover from bad credit events, which mm -hmm. is giant shout out to the educators that are focusing on this subject to parents that are having this conversation with kids and for, you know, young professionals taking ownership. I, I, Chris, I just want to clarify one, you know, when you say default, it's not like you just get that letter, that phone call, there is a delinquency period mm -hmm. prior to that default where their the credit card company says, Hey, I told you this was a legal obligation. You're yep. past due. That window's 90 days. Uh, after that 90 days, so if you haven't made those payments, um, so students, I, I hope that I think this is you know it's so easy to read a textbook or to you know see how to do it correctly in a in a video. There's so much power that comes from learning. Candidly, just being blunt, how not to do it, right, Kristen? Like these, mm -hmm. these I admire that you were willing to share these. I'm curious with what you know now. What would you have done differently? Oh man, um, <laughs> I would not have bought that TV for starters. Um, and I probably would have actually asked my parents for advice first before opening a credit card. I didn't even realize um, just how disciplined my parents are with finance and credit card use and still are. Um, I'm actually, you know, in my late 30s understanding just how good, uh, you know, my parents were and how regimented they were in budgeting and you know, not using credit cards and everything. And, you know, now seeing them be able to kind of reap the benefits from that. So I probably would have started with them. Um, but I was a teenager that knew more than my parents at that time. So <laughs> that probably would have been would have been my number one thing was starting with someone who who knew and asking them. And yeah, we don't realize how smart our parents were. Chris, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I wrote just the two summary points I, I wrote down for our audience ask, can you afford it? Mm -hmm. And if you don't know, 
ask someone because mm-hmm. money mistakes have consequences. I, I'm on record. I believe this is the single most important subject. Uh, Kristen, stories like this are why. It doesn't matter if you're a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, an auto mechanic, a plumber, an engineer, you're making money choices and it's an equal playing field. If you make a mistake, you yeah. pay for it. Uh, I'm going to, I don't do this often. I'm going to take us off in a concluding little short story on my own non-finance, but I did not have to uh, pay, use a credit card for a TV because I won a TV at my high school prom. And I used this little box TV for more years than I care to <laughs> care to share. <laughs> so a little money frugality there if you get lucky enough to, to win a TV at your high school prom. <laughs> Actually, the TV I bought recently just died. It probably is one of the longest standing electronics in my house. So, <laughs> Well, you, you had a good relationship with it then. <laughs> Kristen, thank you. Thank you for, for this today. I, I very much appreciate me. it. Thank you for tuning in to Watching Trees Grow, a podcast by Troutwood.